Hey everybody, this is Marv, episode four, Shooting the Breeze with Friends podcast. Uh, just want to thank everybody again for tuning in. Um, appreciate a lot of the support that we've received over the last uh, three episodes. Um, my my listening numbers have increased each one, so I do appreciate everybody taking time to listen and, and listen to me catch up with some friends and shoot the breeze. Um, really excited about this episode. Um, for, for a numerous amount of reasons. Number one, um, as many everybody, many people know, the NFL draft is this week. Um, so I did want to have a, a podcast with a sports flavor. Um, wanted to highlight, you know, the NFL draft and, and talk to that. And, and also um, an opportunity to connect with a friend, a former teammate, um, Arthur Motes. Uh, had the opportunity kind of to watch him. Uh, he, came, he was uh, three years behind me. Uh, we both attended JMU, both from the Tidewater region of Virginia. Um, and he came in the same year as my brothers came in. So he's always kind of been uh, a brother, a little bro for me. Um, and I've always been able to kind of observe his career um, from a distance and, and really just been proud of everything that he's done, not just necessarily on the field, um, but also off the field and, and in the community and, and a variety of things and how he's uh, kind of leverage his opportunity to, to make the most of it. Um, so, you know, we're going to touch base. We're going to talk through a lot of things from, um, you know, getting drafted. Um, obviously, that's probably the most relevant to the conversation this week, but also his career, um, some of his more famous moments or, or infamous moments, depending on, you know, if you're a Packers fan or a Vikings fan. Um, but then also talk through a variety of different things and, and just where he's at in life today. And um, really excited about this, really excited about the opportunity to uh, touch base with him and catch up. Um, so, you know, buckle up, hold on tight. This is episode four, Shooting the Breeze with Friends podcast with your boy Marv. Again, episode four, Shooting the Breeze with Friends podcast. And, and I'm shooting the breeze with the the sixth round, 178th pick of the Buffalo Bills from Portsmouth, Virginia, by way of James Madison University. My boy, Arthur Motes. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How you been, <laughs> Been good, man. Been good, man. Excited to get you on. I know we had talked about this for a while, and... Um, so I'm glad to get you on, uh, you know, especially at this time of the year with draft um, and everything and just to see what's going on in your life and what, you know, what you what you're pursuing at the current moment and, and talk through everything else, man. You uh, you have a unique tie to a lot of different things that are going on, especially, um, you know, as a former Pittsburgh Steeler um, and a lot of the animosity is going on up, up in Pittsburgh. Um, so I, I figured you would have an insight that many would could never have, um, obviously. Um, but then also just talk about everything else, man. So uh, I, I guess where I wanted to start was let, let's go back to 2010 um, or even maybe even before then. When when did you think um, getting drafted, uh, not only just getting a chance to play in the NFL, you know, we went to JMU, which 
um, you know, it's a small university um, compared to, you know, the Alabamas and the, and the USC's of the world and Clemson's. Um, but when did you kind of get the, the sense that you, you had a, a legit shot at not only just, you know, getting picked up, but really getting drafted? Man, uh, I would say it started after my junior season. Uh, I had a really good year, ended up having my first collegiate year of double-digit sacks. And then we had the, uh, the junior day. So, you know, obviously the seniors have their official pro day. But for the juniors, you're able to just go out there and run a 40 so for me, man, I went out and ran, uh, I believe at the time it was a 4-5-2, and I started getting a lot of, you know, scouts wanted to talk a little bit more with me, agents started to contact me a lot more, and that's when it really became like, okay, I could really have a shot at getting drafted. Then you fast forward to my senior season and how everything played out. Once, you know, it came down to, to April time frame, it was like, yeah, this is about to be a reality. And I mean, obviously, you're predicted to go one place, but I ended up falling a little bit. But at the end of the day, man, it was just one of the best feelings ever to get your name called. Yeah. So, so take me back to to, to draft day. Um, you know, it, it's it's the the second day of the draft, and you know now you you know. I mean, I I think when when initial kind of you know prospects came out or or you know mock drafts. Um, a lot of drafts had you kind of in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. Um, some, some were actually talking third at as well. Um, how was how was your mindset? I mean, where where were you? Who was you with? You know, what was you doing on that day? Oh man, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the, the funny thing was that was the first year where they actually had switched the draft from two days to three days. So, oh yeah, that's right. First, yeah, so the first day. You know, I was worried about anything, but that second day when it was second and third round, I'm like, okay, I do have a chance to go in the third round. And the funny thing was, that morning, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, scout had contacted me through email. was like, hey, I just want to make sure we get the correct information and phone numbers and stuff for you. So I'm like, man, all right, this could really be about to happen. Third round goes by, no phone call. So I'm like, dang, all right. <laughs> so, so the fourth round starts. And the San Francisco 49ers, they're on the clock in the um, in that round. And once again, I'm like, I know that they need a linebacker. Coach Singletary flew me out to San Fran. We had a great meeting. Um, he actually called like, my family, my mom, dad, high school coach to get a lot of information on me. So I'm sitting here like, okay, San Fran, this is going to be it. They should have the wrong moment. At the time, I'm like, man, how you going to take this guy? But hindsight being 2020, I'm like, all right, it was great, Dick. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, so then the fifth round starts, and I'm like, yo, this is supposed to be like the, the worst case scenario for me, you know, because I'm listening to Strictly Mel Kiper, who's saying third round to fifth round. Like, and that was just my whole thought. So that whole round goes by, and not a linebacker at the end, like edge rusher was even took in that round. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they drafted a punter. And for me, that's when I'm like, I lose it. So I have like all my family with me watching the draft. We had uh, uh, a camera crew there to record the, uh, the event for us. But literally, when the printer got drafted, I was like, you know what, it's over. I literally, I leave everybody downstairs and go upstairs because I'm just like, you know, I'm not allowed to get drafted. I, I failed, you know? But then, as I'm upstairs having my little pity party, my phone starts to ring. And the first person is the New York Giants. 
And they're like, hey, man, we're picking later in this round. We're going to draft you. So if you're excited, I'm like, oh, man, it's awesome. So I'm getting ready to head downstairs to tell the family. As I get to the stairs, my phone rings again. And then it's the Atlanta Falcons, and they're like, hey, we don't have a pick in this round, but we're going to trade back in because we really want to draft you. So I'm like, oh, man, this is great news. So now I've, like, started jogging down the stairs to get to the family <laughs> to let them know. The whole time, the Buffalo Bills were actually on the clock, and because they couldn't get it to my phone, they called my mom. And literally, my mom is downstairs with everybody else knowing that I'm about to get drafted. They're running to find me. I'm running to find them. And I'm like, hey, I'm about to get picked later this round. You know, the, the Giants are the Falcons. And they're like, no, dude, you're getting picked right now. The Buffalo Bills are on the phone. So I literally hang up on the Falcons, dude, like mid-conversation, <laughs> grab the phone from my mom. And at the time, it was the, uh, the Bills general manager, Buddy Dix. And he's like, man, you know, welcome to the, to the family. You're going to be a Buffalo Bill. I get to the TV right in time to see my name across the screen. And then it was one of the, like, just amazing moments, amazing feelings I've ever felt in my life. Man, I, I can imagine. I mean, I, I know for me, um, just being kind of the observer of that, you know, um, you know, because, you know, a couple years before, Keem had went, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, and, and everybody, you know, even at JMU, uh, everybody kind of compared you guys. You know, you were, you know, you were supposed to be the next King Jordan. Uh, you know, that, that was kind of like, you know, the going thing uh, around around campus. And, you know, you, you know, obviously carved out your own niche. And, and so it was like, you know, Keem was an undrafted free agent. And I was like, well, you know, Keem kind of opened the door. I know Moats is going to, he'll, he'll get it. Um, so I know for me, I remember, remember watching and seeing that, man. It was, it was a proud moment just for me, just like, hey, I done seen this boy since he was 17, 18 years old now. <laughs> now, now he's in the league, man. So you get the Buffalo. You, you get the Buffalo. Uh, I mean, what? how was – I mean, how was that that first kind of introduction into NFL? I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, the speed of the game changes and all that stuff. And, um, you know, how was that introduction once, once you get to Buffalo? Man, honestly, that was probably – the hardest experience I've ever had and it wasn't just because of the talent level because I mean I felt like I could hang in my own right I was fast and I was strong and things like that but they were switching my position so it was like not only am I adjusting to playing at this level with all this top competition but I'm having to learn a new position on the fly so when I first got to Buffalo you came out college high school I was always a DN like hand on the ground just rush the pass I get to Buffalo, they move me to the inside linebacker position in a 3 4 scheme. I'm having to make all the calls, the coverages, and stuff. So at the time, I was very overwhelmed just because I had never had to do that before. I never had to learn coverage. So that definitely added to the whole aspect of that rough transition. And then um, another thing that I would always talk about, we talk about just the speed of the game. I mean, at the collegiate level, we still have fans guys. I think about Elsie Baker, who's one of our former teammates. He could fly. But the difference at the NFL level was you have 300 pounders that can move. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just little guys that are fast. It's like you have big, fast guys. And that's the thing that's so crazy and so freaky about it. But, man, that, that first that first training camp, I'll never forget, man. That was one of the first times in my whole career, like high school, college, whatever, I really questioned if I was going to be good enough to play at this level. Yeah, I mean that that's got to be a, a a odd feeling. I mean, as, you know, and, and like even going back, I, I think you know back to Pop Warner days. Um, a lot of us, I mean, and you know, we were we were kind of the best at everything. 
you know, from from Pop Warner to, to middle school to high school, you, you know, and, and and then you get to college and it kind of evens out a little bit. But, you know, a lot, you know, you still have people that kind of the cream rises to the crop. But, but then, you know, you, you kind of experienced that your whole life and then you get to Buffalo and it's like, man, I got to learn something new. Not only that, I'm, I'm hey, there's, there's guys out here that, that may be better than me, <laughs> you know. Um, so, I mean, how, I mean, how did you how, I mean, how did you kind of adjust to that or when, like when was the moment where you was like, you know, what, I can play here. I can play in the NFL. Man, for me, it was one of those things where I said, you know what? I have to stop looking around the room and just focus on me getting better every day, just one day at a time. And it was like, whatever mistake I made yesterday, I will not make that same mistake again while I'm here. And that's kind of how like, I cut down on a lot of the mental errors I had. And then how I would just take that approach every day to practice and was like, hey, I know I'm good in my own right, but I have to make sure that I'm playing at my best every day because the competition level is so good. Because, I mean, you have guys, I walked in a room, and I have Paul Puss Leslie in there, and I'm ultimately going to be competing to play the same, same position that he's playing. Or a guy like Kavika Mitchell, who's super shit with the, uh, the Giants. All these other guys who, like, had a ton of success, long careers, and you're just like, man, I got to beat somebody out in here? So instead of, and they always say, like, don't do the numbers game, but it's, it's human nature, you count numbers. You're like, man, it's only five guys. I mean, it's only, what, five guys here for three spots or whatever. But from then on, man, it was just like, you know what? I'm here for a reason. They dropped me for a reason. Let me just make sure that I keep developing. And I feel like it was probably going into that last preseason game where I really was feeling confident. Like, you know what? Even if it doesn't work out here, I'm going to be fine because of what I've been able to put on film. Because and I was very fortunate, too. With the linebackers that were in that room, they had some injuries. So where most late-round picks like myself, they don't see the field on defense in the preseason until that fourth game. I was literally out there from the first game through the fourth game playing 50, 60 snaps. <laughs> so I was able to kind of just learn through the fire and just throw that way and get those game reps out there. So by the time the end of the preseason came around, I was feeling extremely confident what I was able to do. Gotcha. And just hearing you talking, and it's, you know, obviously, I, you know, my, my career kind of stopped and well, it did stop in college. Um, but even in what you're saying, there's so many kind of parallels to to corporate America and just the business world of, of what you kind of experience, you know, especially like when people get, you know, a new job or, they, you know, they get a promotion at work um, and kind of doubt themselves because now they're 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 in a group. Um, you know, I, even even for myself, you know, I was one of the, you know, I've I, 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 you know, received a leadership role um, relatively young. I was like 27 and I had like a high level leadership role. Um, and so you, you immediately doubt yourself because you have guys in there that, you know, in the corporate world are 50 and 60 years old, um, <laughs> way more experienced. They've been doing it. They, they have the masters from Harvard and Yale and everywhere, you know, from in between. And you're just like, you know what? I don't think I could compete. Um, but then it was, you know, kind of what you said, you kind of hone in on yourself um, and, and, you know, how that kind of gets you through it is like, you know what, I can focus on being the best me. And if that's good enough, it's going to work. You know, I'm not going to make multiple, you know, the same mistakes twice. I'm going to learn. I'm going to develop. And so, you know, it's really it's really interesting to hear you say that because it's like I can kind of point back to places in my career um, professionally where it, it all, you know, kind of, you know, factored in the same way. 
and you know, you know, and so it's really interesting to hear you say that. So you're in Buffalo, you make the team, and then um, it might was it your second or third year when when, when the when, when the most the, the infamous don't cross the most. So <laughs> that was my rookie year, but that was at the end of it. That was uh, it was like twelve or thirteen when that happened. <laughs> yeah. So so for my listeners, um, and if you're a Green Bay Packer fan or or a fan of Brett Favre, I do apologize. Um, but Arthur Motes is one. It's you know the, the guy that's kind of attributed with with ending the career of a legend. Um, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, the, the moniker Don't Cross the Moats was, was created. So take me back to that. Take me back to kind of that. I mean, it was almost like a pop culture kind of phenomenon. Um, it, it, it kind of, you know, it, it transcended football a little bit. So take me back to that and kind of your your impressions of that and how and how did that kind of go over in the locker room with the team? Man, so. I'll never forget it. It was so crazy because at the time, we had just signed one of our former college teammates, one of our college teammates, Mike Austin. And this was his first game when he was actually traveling with us. And I just remember us sitting there in warm-ups, watching Brett Favre throw the ball, just warming up. We're sitting here like two kids, like, oh, my God, <laughs> Brett Favre. Like, look how he just throws the ball. Oh, he's so perfect. He's this and that. And we're like, I mean, he looks kind of old, but he's just that's Brett Favre. He's tight, you know what I mean? <laughs> And he says to me, Mike says to me, he's like, how crazy would it be if you sacked him today? And I'm like, yeah, that would be insane. But then it's like, all right, whatever, just laugh it off. And we just stop thinking about it. So you fast forward to the game, and literally, it was my first play of the game, the third player overall, and it happens. Like, the head, you know, put him out the game. Like, it was just a crazy game. And I'm just like, wow. But you don't even realize it in the moment because you're so focused on the game. But it finally hit me later that night when social media, like Twitter was just starting to like really pick up and, and become a thing. And I remember like just seeing it being blown up up there. And then obviously you fast forward to that next week and he doesn't play the game and ends his starting streak at 297 games. And next thing I know, my agent's called me. He's like, yo, ESPN wants to do an interview with you in the morning. And I'm like, ESPN? Like, for real? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, it was just crazy like that. They're talking about, hey, man, they, they named up all the guys who sacked him or hit him over his 20 years of starting. And it's just all these Hall of Famers, all these big-time players. And they're like, but you're the guy who coming from starting the next week. And I'm just like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it was crazy. But then from there, that's what Don't Cost the Most really picked up. And, like, like you said, man, it just caught fire. And it was crazy. And in the locker room, the guys loved it because they're like, especially like my veterans, because I was one of the younger guys with the team. And they ran with it, man. They had a blaster. Don't cross the boat, yo. That's the legend killer. <laughs> don't mess with boats. Like, he gonna put you out. So, I mean, it was, it was a cool experience for me, man. And honestly, it was one of the things that I still look back on to this day. And I was like, yeah, that was, that was crazy to be able to have that happen. Such a man, such an early moment in my career. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, you know, seeing it and it was like, uh, again, kind of from the fan perspective, it was just like, wow, like, you know, here it is, the Iron Man of football. And, and he gets hit one one time by a JMU guy, and he's done for. So, uh, you know, it was – yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, you know, JMU Nation was proud and full effect at that moment. So, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things uh, I did want to touch on, especially because of your time in Buffalo, and this is kind of, you know, obviously I've, I've been proud of your entire career, but this was one of the moves you did kind of off the field that really kind of surprised me. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, knowing you, I shouldn't have been surprised. But at the same time, it was just because you don't hear athletes really, you know, take advantage of that. But you went ahead and, and, and went to school. <laughs> like, like, like I, I'm not saying you just went to school for fun. Like you went, to, like you went, and, like took classes. I mean, so what? What kind of what kind of inspired that? And, and you know, yeah. So uh, the inspiration behind it, man. I have always been a person that preaches like, hey, never be complacent, right? And further your education if you have the opportunity to, and. Going into my uh, going into the draft and stuff, I had left obviously like a semester early, so I still have some classes left over. And after my rookie season, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back because my parents are educators. They were always big preachers in it. I'm always going to visit schools and different places in the community and telling them that hey, you need to take school seriously, you need to further education. And I felt like a hypocrite. So I was like, you know what? Let me go back into the classroom. And it was crazy, like literally being back on campus. After finishing my rookie season, after having all the success that I had that, that first year, and sitting in the classroom, but I felt like it was important. So I, uh, I ended up getting my bachelor's, degree, my bachelor's degree in political science at JMU, and then two years later, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I'm being complacent again when it comes to education. I'm talking about school, but I legit am not even practicing what I preach. So from there, I was like, you know what? Let's pursue a master's degree. And then I hopped into that. And yeah, it, it was one of those things that was very challenging, but it was so fulfilling. And I felt like it inspired a lot of people when they would see, like, man, not only are you having success in your career, but you're still challenging yourself academically. You're still, you know, you have a wife and kids, but you're still making sure that you're pushing yourself. You're not being complacent. And I felt like that was the biggest message I wanted to send. And man, it was just crazy to do it, but to accomplish it, man, it was, it was an awesome film. Yeah, I mean, I, and I remember because, you know, me, you know, I kind of, a lot of the stuff, a lot of times, I, I always got kind of secondhand uh, information from, you know, with you through like Shelton, you know, me, obviously, you know, me and Shelton, yeah, are real tight, and you and Shelton are real tight as well. So it was like, um, it was kind of weird because I was like, man, like, you know, I, I understood kind of the first, you know, pitch of you going to school. It, it honestly caught me off guard. But then, like, once you kind of settled into your career and, and like, you know, it, it seemed like, at least from my vantage point as a fan, that, you know, you were going to be a mainstay in the league. Um, you know, it wasn't going to be, you know, two or three years and done for you. Um, you know, that for that to happen, I was just, I mean, I, I was I was proud, man. I, I mean, you know, I thought it was a, a great move. And then, you know, it, it kind of, like, to your point, it, it it reinforced what you were kind of preaching out to, you know, in your mission, you know, you were coming home doing football camps and, you know, you were preaching education, preaching, do your work, work hard. Um, and then, you know, now they had a real life example um, to do that. So, you know, I was definitely uh, one shocked at the same time, proud of, of that you, you know, you went ahead and did that. Um, I definitely appreciate that, man. Yeah. So what was, what was your, what was your graduate program? I, I, I'm assuming it was, it was in, uh, communications, I know that's kind of it seems like it's been like your niche or, um, but what was your master's in? Yeah, so uh, at the time because I'm still very passionate about improving communities and especially like small businesses, so 
my master's is in community and economic development because I'm, I'm a huge believer in just, you know, helping out the infrastructures of communities and finding ways to ultimately bring more revenue and, and just raise up the overall standing of certain communities and stuff like that, in particular with small businesses. So that was what my, uh, what I got my master's in so that way I could have a better understanding of ways to better help the communities that I'm, uh, that I'm affiliated with and stuff like that. That's tight, man. I, I I didn't know that, man. That's a, that's even more impressive, you know. Just, uh, but you know, taking that opportunity to give back, man. So you know, I mean, that's great. So I mean, looking back, you know, I think after your third or fourth year, you you ended up leaving Buffalo. Um, thinking back on your time in Buffalo, what what were you most you know fond of? Man, honestly, because uh, I was up there for years, I finished up my rookie contract. And a lot of times people would be like, hey, was it the Brett Favre head? Was it the Tom Brady? Was it this or that? And honestly, the thing I was most proud of was when I was named the, uh, their Walter Payton Man of the Year because it was like I was finally doing enough for the community that my peers and that the organization felt that I should represent them on that type of level. And for me, that was like extremely huge. I ended up going to the Super Bowl for it and stuff like that. And it was a very humbling experience because you think about the amount of lives that impacted over a four-year span. You never were doing it for recognition. But when you do it at the level that I was trying to do it at, and to be able to receive that type of recognition, it was one of the things that I'm like, wow, that was really awesome to be able to do it for the third That's great, man. Yeah, I mean, I remember... Again, the, the, the fan in me, I remember when you were up for it and we were voting on Twitter and, <laughs> you know, we were pressing like wildfire. Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a crazy man. You know, so you finish your you finish your time in Buffalo, you finish your contract, free agencies up. You know, how was that process and, and what kind of landed you in Pittsburgh? Man, so. I've been fortunate enough to experience agency a couple of times. And the first time, oh, I will say it wasn't as fun as I would have liked it to have been. Um, I was coming off of one of my best seasons statistically and one of the uh, one of my highest paying years at the moment while I was up in Buffalo. But they were uh, they had just switched coaching staffs. My uh, my defensive coordinator had just left to go to Cleveland, so it was a lot of turnover there. And me and the organization at the time, we just weren't seeing eye to eye when it came to what I thought my value was and my worth and things like that. So I ended up having to hit the open market. And at the time, it didn't go like I said as planned. It kind of went cold for me initially. I thought I was going to sign within like that first day or two. But I ended up sitting for seven days, and honestly, those seven days felt like seven months. <laughs> like, it was crazy, man. But um, I remember it coming down to Cleveland or Pittsburgh, and Coach Tomlin hit me up, and he's like, you know, he's from the hometown, seven five seven, and he's like, man, you know, we got a great relationship. I remember what you used to do as far as rushing the passer at JMU. I know you've been playing inside linebacker predominantly in Buffalo, but if you come here on. A, a, a vet minimum contract, take a chance on us, switch positions outside linebacker, you have success in this one year, we'll, we'll take care of you, we'll do right by you. And at the time, like my wife, I just had her second kid, so it was just like, whew, like, we got this two-month-old, yeah. like, it's a lot going on And I'm like, yeah, we had money, but it wasn't like, we weren't financially set for our life yet. So it was, it was a lot of unease going on with that situation. But we ended up, you know, praying about it and just 
talking about a little bit more, and we felt I felt personally very comfortable with Coach Tomlin, and I took that leap, man. Came on the one year deal, and even then it didn't even start out the best because they didn't they weren't even trying to rotate guys initially. So the first two games, I'm just sitting, and I was like, man, this is crazy, like. This is about to like backfire on me, and I'm probably gonna end up being out the league because I'm on a one year deal and I'm not gonna have any help. But you know, injuries end up happening, and I'm able to you know step in and, and have a very productive season. And then from there, Coach Thomas stayed true to his word. They got me a three year extension after that, and it really just took my life, man. So it, it was a crazy experience getting to Pittsburgh, but it, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, and and again, even you know, even in that, and that's why like I. It, you know, really was excited to talk with because, again, there's so many parallels. And, you know, the, the fact that you like, you know, what, I'm going to bet on myself. You know, this this may not be the best contract um, pop out there. This may not be what, you know, ideally what I think I'm worth. Um, but at the same time, you, you bet on yourself and, you know, it actually rewarded you with the extension, you know. And, and so, um, you know, I mean, looking back, I mean, on your time in, in, in Pittsburgh, um, I mean, you, I mean, you were kind of, you were a mainstay, you know, in the defense, um, for, for quite a few years. Um, I mean, how, how do, how do you feel about, I guess, everything that has gone on in Pittsburgh, um, you know, in the last year or so, I mean, do, do you think it's, there's any validity to any of this, the stuff being said? I mean, where where, where do you kind of stand? And also, still being in the, I mean, still being in that area in that region of the, you know, living up there. What is kind of the vibe, you know, that you you've gotten up there? And what, what do you think, you know, how this all played out? Yeah, man. Um, when you talk about just this past year, it was crazy. Just like I said, for me, just looking at it from an outside perspective, but then. When I'm having an intimate conversation with my former teammates, because I think I was there for four years, and the guys who were, you know, in these headlines, uh, your ABs, your Le'Veons, your Bits, like, I'm close with those guys. So it was very different seeing it, and then some of the stuff that was coming out, I didn't agree with, but like some of the stuff, it was like, yeah, I could agree with that, but then there was a lot of stuff that I was like, you know, I don't personally agree with that either. But I will always say this. The issues that were going on in Pittsburgh, especially that became headlines this past season, I feel like every team goes through these things. And it's a ton of players that may feel the way that some of those players have felt. The difference is, most of the time, the guys who have these issues with these grievances, they're not the top three players in their position league-wide. Most of them are like, you know, it might be the second or third receiver on the team, a backup linebacker here, and you just get rid of those guys. You're not worried about it. But when you have arguably the number one receiver, arguably the number one or top three, however you want to discuss it, running back, and then an arguably top five quarterback, like, that's national headlines. That's national news. And then when you factor in the fact that you go through four seasons of having a ton of success, you know, Playoffs every year, uh, NC championship games, three out of the four division championships. For them to just not make the playoffs on top of that, it was just crazy. But I think that that's the biggest thing, though, man. Just because of the players that had the issues is why it really got blown, I want to say, out of proportion a little bit. Because I've been on, like I said, I've been in Buffalo, I was in Pittsburgh, and then I also played Arizona. And you see the same issues everywhere. 
But it's just when you have those type of players that have the issues, it the whole situation is handled differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the thing, uh, you know, because I've reached out to you, you know, we're, we're, we're talking now. Um, and I've talked, you know, obviously we have other folks that went to JMU that went to the league and I've had some conversations with them and just, you know, guys from the Tidewater area. And a lot of them just said that, um, you know, you know, similar to what you said, like this is this is nothing new. It's just that you have three of the probably the top 25 players in the NFL exactly. doing it. And so, I mean, I, I don't think anything that that A.B. said, I mean, obviously, you know, the stuff with Juju might be, you know, I think that was more personal than it was kind of the the big, the big overarching theme of, of the conversation. Um, but it's like, I, I think what you're, what you're saying is just, I mean, this is, you have football players that, you know, obviously are learning to speak their mind, um, learning to kind of, you know, be comfortable in, in who they are. But, but honestly, a lot of them don't feel that comfortable because they're not the top 25 players in the NFL. And so, when you have, you know, a guy that, you know, A.B. can move the market, I mean, there's there's probably no debate. I mean, Julio, A.B., you know, that's probably your top two receivers. How you want to split them? And then Le'Veon, you know, he's, you know, probably, like you said, top three. So it's like when you have those guys that really can control the market, can, you know, can say what they want because they know teams still want them and value them, um, you know, things like that get blown out of proportion a little bit. Um I mean, do you think it's, you know, I mean, do you think where Pittsburgh is now, they're better off for it? I mean, how do you see this playing out over the over the next, you know, you know, season or two? Yeah, so um, put it like this. It's hard to say that they are better off for it just because you lose A.B., who obviously you think about how successful he's been throughout his career. You lose Le'Veon. And both of those guys have had a ton of success. But... I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll make the playoffs this year because you already have James Conner on the roster, and he proved that he can be a Pro Bowl caliber player. So, no, he's not Le'Veon, but he's still a top-notch running back in this league. So that helps out with that. It's still, I feel like they have to find a way to replace AB because everyone's saying that hey, Juju just steps into that role, and that's fine. But you have to remember, AB and Juju both are thousand-yard receivers. So, yes, you may move up uh, Juju to make him the number one, but you still have to replace Juju's production. So, until I see how they go, how they do that, whether it's through the draft or, or whatever, that's the only thing I'm a little leery of. But as long as you have a quarterback in which they do with Ben Roethlisberger, I feel like they're always going to be in the conversation of, you know, a playoff caliber team. And I think that they still have enough pieces in place to contend for support. But they're going to have to add some stuff through the draft. But I think they'll be fine. And when we just look, I guess when you, if you look at a, a one to three year window, I feel like the Steelers are still going to be a lot more successful than Le'Veon or AB who have left through free agency when trade. Gotcha. I, I, I can see that. I definitely can see that. I, I think, uh, I mean, you know, as great as they, those two guys are, um, they went to more financially, you know, supportive situations than they did went to necessarily winning situations. So I, I think, you know, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm all for everybody getting their money. So, um, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but to your point, from a kind of a success standpoint, you know, I still think if you were to ask me who's the best team out of those three, it's still the Steelers, and I don't, and I don't think it's close. 
Um, you know, so I, I, that's interesting, um, you know, that it's all happened and, and you kind of been in the midst of it. I know you've been um, doing some radio and, and some different things in, in the area. Um, you know, I guess where, where you're at now in, in your career, um, I mean, how, how, I mean, how do you feel how your career has been thus far? Obviously, um, you know, you're not retired, but, you know, where you're at currently, um, how do you feel yeah. uh, based on your career thus far, kind of your whole body of work? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on that thus far? Man, uh, when I just look back on it just right now, I feel like I've, you know, had a ton of success. I've defied the odds and, you know, beat the average. The average career span is, what, two and a half to three years. Yeah. And I just finished up my ninth season. So, I mean, it was crazy just to think about that. Coming from the sixth round, kid from the 757. You know, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but when I just think about like where I'm at right now, man, I've really just been enjoying diving into the media field. Um, obviously, I got hurt in Arizona, and we ended up doing an injury settlement towards the end of the season. But being able to come back and just hop into that media market, doing the radio stuff for the Steelers, and then ultimately starting my own uh, video series that I'm doing to my social media channels. Like, I feel like that was just extre- it's extremely fun to me, and it's something I'm very passionate about. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with it. But, man, when I just look back on what I've been able to accomplish from my own field standpoint, I feel like I've done a ton. But then, like I said, I'm most proud about my off-field stuff. Being able to be a, a man of the year for two different teams is, like, insane to me. So, me to be able to have that type of impact in two different cities with two different organizations is always what stands out to me the most. And just the lives that I've been able to impact throughout this time frame. Yeah, man. And again, you know, like I said, the whole time, a lot of this stuff is is from the fan perspective. But I, I will tell you, you know, your your social media engagement with fans um, in Pittsburgh, you know, even even to this day, I still see people from Buffalo tweeting you and, um, you know, and then Pittsburgh as well. I mean, I, I think you've, you know, now, you know, I, I'll tell you this all the time. Like, I think you maxim you maximized your opportunities. Um, not just only on the field, but just in those communities that, you know, people are, are you know, they, they respect you, they love you, um, and they just like, you know, talking to you. And, and so I think, you know, for you to be able to accomplish those things and, and, and do those things in, in your time there and really make a significant impact, I mean, that that's that's all you can ask for. Um, and that's all you can ask for in a career. And so, I, I mean, you know, do you, how, how much you got left in the tank? That's my real question. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like, you know, I could definitely play longer if I choose to. But at the same time, I mean, I'm healthy. And that's the thing that I've always said to myself, that if I do walk away, I want to be able to do so being healthy. And being on the field and seeing what happened to, you know, one of my really close friends, Ryan Shakir, that kind of opened my eyes up and made me think a lot differently. And just seeing him, like, you know, along his journey and stuff like that. So I always think about that, too, when I went on the decision of, do you continue to play or do you walk away while you're healthy? So that's some of the stuff that I've been thinking about. And I feel like, you know, as this offseason continues to progress, I'll definitely be making a decision in regards to, I mean, in regards to whether I decide to come back or if I retire. But, yeah, man, that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I, obviously, having kids and having a boy, um, you know, we're in a similar situation with that. Um, and then also, you know, you hear it all the time, especially from people that, that – I guess watch the sport or not necessarily involved in the sport about CTE and you mentioned your health. Um, 
I mean, do you have do you have concerns with 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 your son potentially playing, or um, you know, how do you how do you feel? Because I'm always curious to hear um, from your perspective. Because people ask me all the time, and I was like, man, I played I played 14 years. I might have had a couple concussions, and I might you know you know, but I don't I don't feel like you know it's as I think the game's so much safer now than it was. I mean. Oh, not a doubt. <laughs> Well, and that was the thing. I remember being in Pop Warner, and we just literally running our heads into each other for for two. Oh, <laughs> that was my first introduction to football. Was Bulling the brain. I was the younger kid playing in the older league, and yeah, that that was it. Can't it, it can't be a safe set? That that was, that was one of the most terrible things ever. <laughs> exactly. So I, that's why I was like, that's why I said. I mean, I, I, coming up, I was like, man, I felt like you know. I got hit harder at six and seven years old than I ever did <laughs> at 22. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on kids and playing football? Yeah, man, so um, I feel like this, man. Do I, am I going to be pushing it on him? No. But if he wants to, if that's what he's passionate about, then I mean, it's, it's up to him to do so. I've never been a believer in trying to live, you know, a, a super safe can't take a chance, can't do this lifestyle because I'm a firm believer that, man, if something's meant to happen, it's going to happen. So, my thing is, if he's passionate about it, cool. Obviously, like I said, though, for me, I'm not going to be pushing that on him. If it was my choice, hey, man, go go be a, a rocket scientist and go work for NASA <laughs> or go be a brain surgeon. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it is, man. I, I know right now he's very passionate about it. And I, it's funny because I love seeing how passionate he is about sports, in particular football. But, yeah, it's one of those things that I'm not 100% like, hey, man, go ahead and just work through the whole like I <laughs> Yeah. I about to say, I think the similar, I mean, how I kind of approach with my boys is uh, especially like with football. So I think I've kind of, I've kind of, you know, pushed them towards baseball and other sports. Um, well, that's the money sport anyway. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you, and you know my pops play pro ball, so my, my so, so my pops has been saying, hey, you know, you and your brothers didn't listen to me, but the grandkids will. So you know, we, we've I've kind of pushed them, but you even hey, Bobby, even you know, Bobby don't play, man. Exactly. <laughs> But, but it, it's funny because you know you said that he's kind of grabbed because even even though I haven't really talked about um, playing football, like I can see my son already. Um, even though like I, I we, like I said I don't push him towards that at all, he's starting to gravitate back towards it. Um, so it's it, it, it's kind of been interesting. Like you know I've, I've been like yo let's go let's go to the bat cages let's go to the bat cages and, he, and he's like hey dad what if I play flag football this summer. Oh, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> my, son, my son literally he'll pull up me on YouTube, and he's like mimicking my hits and my jumps in the house. He has like a little Steelers helmet, jerseys, yeah, a little tie on them gloves. Like, it's crazy. Oh, he's man. Like, he's like, that. come on, I'm going to tap it. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy, man. Well, man, it's been uh, – it's been absolutely great talking to you, catching up, man. It has been a while since we done we done we done wrapped. You know, we we, we, we we talk on Twitter a lot, but it has it has been a while just you know catching up, man. It's been great. Um, anything else? You know, we want to talk about. I can't think. I think we covered everything we said we was going to set out the cover. Let's see. Let's see. We definitely we definitely talked about a lot, man. Uh, shoot. Yeah, I think we're good, man. Uh, we talked draft, talking draft story early on, late. Uh, 
So uh, I guess, you know, you mentioned the Arthur Mulch show. Um, yeah. Do you, do you want to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to plug it. So, uh, what, I, you, I appreciate you on that. <laughs> so where, right now you have it on, I know I've seen it on Facebook, yeah. but is, is, do you have it on any other? Uh, yes. So, uh, so the Arthur Mulch show, we um, promoted on IGTV off of my personal uh, Arthur Mulch or at the Body 52 Instagram page. And then obviously it's on my Facebook page, my Twitter page, which is uh, the Body 52 as well. And uh, on my website, ArthurMulch55.com. Okay, okay. And are you, are you, you, know, you, you got to maximize the platform, you know that, right? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, you know, that's why I, I was telling people when I was, you know, kind of started this whole idea of a podcast, as much as I want to, you know, get my stuff out there, I want to make sure that my, my my guests can kind of get their out there and plug their out there because, uh, you know, that that's that's equal. That's the part of this is, you know, making sure everybody's kind of getting their blessings out of this. And I mean, I, I appreciate you. Are, are you. Are you still doing the camps down here in Tidewater? Uh, so I haven't. Uh, I'm not doing them this year in Tidewater. Uh, we're mainly going to be in Pittsburgh this year. OK. Just like you said, man, it's just getting back into the market man, after being in Arizona earlier this past season and stuff like that. Gotcha. OK. OK. Yeah. But you know, man, when I come back down that way, though, I would definitely let you know. Well, you do that, man, and I appreciate you, man. And uh, I like to thank everybody again for tuning in for another episode of Shooting the Breeze with Friends podcast. Uh, thank my boy Arthur Motes, the body. Don't cross the moats. <laughs> again, uh, for being a great guest and being open and, and talking about his experience. And uh, you know, it's it's funny because there's going to be about 255 guys get drafted over the next couple of days and, and um, they may have a story similar to, to Arthur, but uh, um, I, I would venture to say not all of them are going to have the impact that he did. And, and so again, man, you know, kudos to you on a great, on a, on a, on a great job thus far, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and uh, you know, and I thank everybody again for listening and, and we're signing off for shooting the breeze with friends podcast episode four. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.